Your job as a leader is to surround yourself with people that you believe in can face conflict, hardship, mistake, and their own failure with you. Not you against them, with you. Welcome to the Think Out Loud podcast. My name is George Yui, and this podcast is dedicated to those who are passionate about their personal development and are looking to create lives of passion, purpose, and peace. This podcast is called Think Out Loud because I've learned as a coach that when we think out loud, that is where insight is born. We see things more clearly, we feel things more deeply, and we move forward in life from our most authentic self. This is a Soul Fire production. Kyle, welcome to the Think Out Loud podcast, man. Thanks, brother. I'm, I'm just so excited. You know, honestly, I'm just really excited about our friendship. Amen. Years ago, I wrote down on a piece of paper to be surrounded by people who inspire me just as much as I inspire them. Mm. Um, age, experience, it's got nothing to do with it. It's right. what, what you're creating in the world and the community that you're creating here in Venice the intention behind that community centered around wellness, health, personal development, you know, full gamut, right? Mental, emotional, energetic, physical, and spiritual. It's just so aligned with the work that I'm doing. And I, I, I today we get a chance to co-create on this podcast episode. And I'm just really grateful for your time and being here. And I'm very curious to see what shows up here for us. Amen. Yeah. I, I receive all of that. So, uh, Humbly and also just gratefully, I think, for you to have stepped into the space uh, and seen and experienced what it is that is so heart-driven for me um, and for the team that, that we've created, it's, it's, um, it's all heart-based. And I think a lot of what I've seen in you is so heart-based. And it's just about impacting others and finding purpose for yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's incredible to see... Uh, just in the short time, how deeply we've connected mm-hmm. and the brotherhood that, that has, uh, has begun. So thanks for, for having me on. I'm stoked to drop in with you. Pleasure, man. In this moment, I'm actually, it's so funny when we show up to this, like all of a sudden in the moment, there's a pull to go in a direction. And I'm getting a pull to actually start by sharing something first and then seeing what it brings up for you. Definitely. Um, I got a letter in the mail from my mom the other day. And even though my mailbox is right there in my living room, I don't check it very often. And it was actually from January 6th. January 6th was the date where, uh, I think it's 14 years ago now, that my best friend passed away. Mm. And that also January 6th date is the marker of my grandmother on my mother's side, death anniversary. Mm. And she sent me an interesting passage that I think you'll appreciate. And I'll share the whole thing with you later. It's actually three pages long. Incredible. It's a homily from Pope St. Francis. And she wrote me a letter just saying, I think this is really going to resonate with you. And it's it's a homily, so it's three pages long. But the the gist of it is that there are three main things that Pope St. Francis was creating invitation around. And because you're a religious man and we're both spiritual and... Um, I, I think I'm curious to see what this brings up for you and where yeah. you're at in your life. Um, but he was talking about the Magi and the traveling through the desert and really these, these three areas of focus. And the first area of focus was embracing the restless questioning. There's anxiety that 
so many of us feel when we go through life, when we're creating new things, when we're expanding, when we're charting off into unknown territory, the survival brain kicks in and the stories of fear come up and that manifests in the emotion of anxiety. And in a world where we're, we're almost taught to numb that or redirect that, or even just kind of like use our physical tools to just overcome that and, and flush out that emotion. He says to embrace the anxiety and to embrace the questioning that comes up from that. Yeah. Um, and then he proceeds to say, after we've kind of had this relationship to the restlessness of question, the second thing he talks about is, as you're thinking of that, the thing that comes forward yeah. for me is embracing and sharing. As men, we're told to shut up and keep working. Mm. And if you do share vulnerability, it's looked at as weakness. Or we're taught that. At least I was taught that for so long. And I'm mentoring in a mastermind group right now. And uh, yesterday's call, it was, if you really knew me, you would know. And to open up about the things that we hide in the closet, that we're so afraid, even as teachers and coaches, to share how nerve-wracking it is to hold space for somebody who's going through a trauma or breaking through a, a block when we are human as well and we're going through very similar things. No matter how high I ascend as a coach, a facilitator, a teacher, I'm a student forever. What I've learned so much is we connect off of our passions, but our pains are what bond us. Mm. Mm. When you share with someone you're about to give a speech in front of a thousand people. And I spoke in front of a lot of people and you share, man, I'm nervous right now. <laughs> Everybody leans in like this is a human. So I love that, that share of what Pope Francis said and the, the aspect of observing rather than reacting and rather than hiding, actually bringing forward and sharing shows people, oh, you're a human. And as a teacher, a coach, a guide, it is so important to play from an even playing field rather than a, I'm better than you. I'm higher than you. I'm preaching to you rather than preaching. I've been practicing embodying mm -hmm. all of a sudden. It's like this gravitational pull towards the energetic frequency of embodiment. It's a lot easier for people to follow suit rather than this like preach. And, and that's in religion. We can talk a lot about this, but if, if you are strictly preaching at people, without the embodiment of what you're preaching. Even if that person doesn't know you, they can feel into the energetic of the aura that you're giving. And that's something that I've been studying a lot um, in my own mentors and in different churches. I like to pop into different churches and just see, you know, what is the, the overall aura of the message? And um, yeah, that just came to mind for me when you were talking about that, of, of really embracing all that comes forth in this life and not trying to look like a certain way or, or act a certain way because you think that if you're not this, then you're lesser of a coach or you're lesser of a student. It's like really owning the experience as a human being, all sides, all facets, without shame, without guilt. The fear is necessary, actually. The fear is, I think, it's, it's one of the things that's helped me to lean in further and practice my faith. Because without faith, the fear is, it's debilitating. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It becomes so overwhelming. The stress becomes, where do I even begin? Mm -hmm. And that's where my relationship with God has gotten so strong is when I feel overwhelmed. 
anxious, afraid. I just sit and I just allow myself to really feel the fear and observe it. Drop back into the body and notice all the things that come forward, whether it's trauma as a child, whether it's insecurity, that inner critic, I'll never be enough. You'll never be enough. Mm-hmm. And realizing in this moment, I am. You don't even have to put anything after that. Just the, the resonance of I am. It shatters the lie of I am weak. I am lesser than this person who I'm envious of. And transmuting that into, like we talked about a little bit on, on my part of, rather than imitation, it's emulation. It's like we all want to be ascending. We all want to be on this path of ascension. And I think if you're putting expectations and fears around this ascension, you're blocking yourself. And you're blocking others who want to help you from helping you along that ascension process. And then you're cutting out the opportunity to connect with God. So that's, I love what Pope Francis said. I can talk about vulnerability and sharing that from a place of, of it's okay to be afraid. It's okay to not to not have the answers. And in going into that darkness, usually the light presents itself. Yeah. You know, the, the second, as you were speaking, the second part of his homily came to me and he talks about embracing the risk of the journey. And I think it's almost hearing you speak, there was almost this, there's like a step one. You need to master your internal world, the internal anxieties that come up. And then there is this, notion that there's this uncertainty in the external world when actually it's just a reflection of the uncertainty of our own thinking, which is why step one is so important. It's almost the training ground, the bicep curl of the mental muscle that enables us to develop this relationship with restlessness, anxiety, and these uncomfortable emotions that actually are there to help support us on the journey and give us information and data of where there's opportunity for growth, reflection, and how, how what is happening both in the external world and in our internal world is a teaching moment right. for greater insight into not just what to do next, but who to become. And you spoke about the becoming of you and the embodiment practice that you're taking on. And that that process is something that is experienced from the inside out. And so as a facilitator, you're in this place where you're guiding men, you're guiding people, and there's kind of this general theme in our personal development world where guru culture is antiquated, where you have the guy on the, or the gal on the stage and they're just pontificating everything that they know to other people. Right. And the thing that you and I both agree on is that information doesn't change us. What we know, you hear, I, I mean, in, our, in the coaching world, I so oftentimes in conversation will hear this statement. I already know this, right? I know this, I know this, I know that already. And it's, it's like, you can feel this, the frequency of almost like kicking themselves for knowing something, but there's a gap between what we know and what we do and what we do and who we are. Powerful. And when we speak to people at people, Yes, is there a place for that? Sure, but the real depth is in comes from the inside out, and it comes from an experience of what I like to call insight yeah. in context of coaching and what happens in conversations and why I created the Think Out Loud podcast. Um, but then, as we build this almost 
skill of restlessness and, and, and finding grace through that, it allows us to carry that forward into the embrace of the risk that lies ahead in the journey. Mm-hmm. I guess my question now is, what's, what's the thing that's in front of you where there's a bit of uncertainty mm-hmm. in what you're growing? Perhaps it's within yourself, perhaps it's within this movement that you're starting and this business that you're creating and this community that you're creating. But I'm just curious, what's alive for you right now when you focus on the horizon? And it's not that uncertainty is bad, but I'm just kind of curious, where is that falling for you in your life right now? Yeah. Yeah, the things that, in my opinion, God presents is only what you're ready for. Sometimes the things that God sees you ready for, I question, am I ready for? So taking on more is scary. The fear of failure is scary. And failure isn't necessarily because my, my main intention and goal with everything I'm doing is to create impact and to help people to integrate what I embody into their own lives. The aspect of Los Angeles that I find a blessing and a curse is the amount of people on the path that are yearning for community, yearning for relationship, connection, and inspiration. So I always want to, I'm a perfectionist. I always want to do things to completion. And I see myself in a situation where I'll sometimes feel overwhelmed. Like, did I bite off more than I can chew? I have connections with so many people. And the, the aspect of perfectionism and closing the loop on all these different things, the intention for me is like, less is more busy work compared to productive work. And so learning how to delegate and learning how to lean in on the team is where I'm at right now that I need to start doing more of. Because mm-hmm. I'm one of the people who will take it all on my shoulders. I'll do it fine. I don't need help. I don't need help. Mm-hmm. And that's a fear mechanism of, as a child, always wanting to get attention, always feeling like I, I wasn't good enough. Um, so I have to now prove myself that I am good enough and that I can do it all myself which in turn creates anxiety, underlying anxiety towards, am I missing something? Did I not get back to somebody? Like the, the to-dos and the calendar and the ins and outs of, as you know, like how busy the lives we live. Always checking in with completing the loop mm. and ensuring that I have the trust within the team around me to be able to let go of certain tasks. Not as though this task is lesser than this task, but really tuning in with what I want to be doing and not thinking of that as selfish, but actually thinking of that as like, I'm setting myself up for success. I'm setting the other people around me up for success. And I'm learning how to empower and inspire people to take on tasks that there's 24 hours in a day and there's only so much bandwidth that I can take on. so it's, it's definitely, that's, that's something that comes forward is, is the, the challenge that presents itself with taking on this, this endeavor of creating community mm-hmm. and kind of being the, the spearhead of it, kind of the leader of it. Um, and it's, it's sometimes too, you get trapped in the mind. And so embodying a lot of the practices as well is just going back to the last point of like, 
utilizing the tools in order to receive the answers. And a lot of that is in here. Up here, there's always the, the chatter and the, and the racing of what's next or what was missed. Mm -hmm. When you come in here, when I come in here, that's why meditation is such an important practice for me is because the things that aren't necessary to be anxious about fall off. And the things that are pressing that you know need to be done that day, they'll start to present themselves. I love your perspective on that and the way that you wrap those concepts together about where you're at is in the pursuit of this endeavor to create something pretty extraordinary. There's a saying that we have in this personal development world that what got you to your current level of success won't get you to your next level of success. Yeah. And it's hard to let go of that what's called a winning strategy for your success because what I want to do in this moment is I want to frame and reflect back something to you. So it provides an opportunity for you to go even deeper into yourself to kind of examine what that thing was that got you to your current level that now you have to let go of to get to your next level. But even deeper than the doing, you know, there's a reason why my coaching practice is called shapeshift because it's not just the winning strategy we have to let go of, but it's the old identity. You're talking about embodiment. Embodiment is about taking our beliefs and our knowings and integrating it into our body. And then after it becomes integrated into our body, it becomes our identity. Mm. So from the inside out, when we can create an awareness for you in this moment about who you've been and who you are becoming mm. in your identity, the things about what to do, you know that you need to delegate, you know that you need to let go of control, but, but maintaining control has been your primary winning strategy, not just for success, but for your sense of significance. Mm. We all have six human needs. And one of those very popular driving force needs is our sense of meaning, significance, yeah. a sense of importance, a sense that we matter, a sense of meaning. And when we're young, we're taught sometimes in our conditioning that who we have to be in order to be enough and loved is we have to be in control. Yeah. We, have to, we have to do everything perfect. I was the same way. And the challenge is, is that there comes a point in time where that can only take you so far. And there's this friction that you're now sensing and feeling of that, right? Right. So there was the man in the, that was wrapped in his sense of identity that was equated to the level of perfection and the level of control that he had. So here's a question. Who's the man you have to become? To be the man that leads and delegates and lets go of control and invokes trust in his team. Who's that guy? Who's that leader? How would you describe that person's way of being in the world? Yeah, I look at, I look at what got the, the question of what got you into the success that you're in. And I think it was so much of uh, facilitating, of like being that person who was center stage. The attention was on me. It was about me. And I'm great at that. And it's what got me to that point. And now I think God is telling me it's your turn to pass the baton. It's not about me. And letting go of that is scary because I want to feel significant. But I am significant by passing the baton. I've already ran the first stretch. I don't need to, like, it's not about the busy do work. It's actually about the delegation and the, the allowance of others to step into that role. And, uh, yeah, that's such a beautiful feeling. It's already just like a wave of, ah, it's less busy work. 
it's more productive and empowering work to see others step in and shine their light without it having to be, it's, it's so much more about uh, how I can use the connections and community to the benefit of the people who are trying to step into the same light that I stepped into in the first place to want to galvanize a community. Because it's like, it's about the support of one another. So that's a very interesting uh, perspective of being able to step back from a facilitator role more so to be able to be the kind of the, the connector. And just utilizing the space and this beautiful city to create the webs, the application that we're building and all these different ways of like bringing people together without it, no attachment to, I love to teach yoga. I love to train people. I love to lead Bible studies. I love to facilitate these things because I've always done it. It comes very naturally to me, but giving uh, more opportunity to lessen what's on my plate so that the things that I do facilitate, I can spend more time and energy and effort towards like that one thing and then allowing myself to see others shine in their life. Mm. I love to distill down context into frameworks that people can really kind of because we can get lost in the story sometimes and as we both know the stories actually can get quite dark when we're caught up in our human stuff right yeah and i, I love frameworks because they distill the truth right now you're speaking from spirit you're speaking from the divine within you i can feel it i'm feeling yeah. very connected to this man you are stepping into and it's quite beautiful and Stepping into that man when the stuff comes up can be challenging when we have to grasp onto like these concepts and all these words. And, you know, when I talked about the need for significance as being one of the, one of the needs, some of the other needs in that, in that six human need category that I learned from Tony Robbins, you know, we have certainty, our need for safety and stability and, and, and security and predictability. We have variety, which is our sense of adventure, novelty, which is an interesting dynamic between humans, right? human beings are constantly vacillating between our bodies and our minds need for safety and security and stability and our souls need for adventure, risk-taking, the unknown, what's next, That's the abyss, fun. right? It, it's this, it's this constant tug and pull, tug and pull, right? Yeah. And ironically, as we have to let go of one in order to gain the other. Yeah. And so it's just being aware of how our actions are prior are, are stemming from a prioritization of either certainty or variety, right? Third is significance, which we've talked about. Fourth is love, and sometimes often people just can't experience love, so they settle for connection. Mm. It goes without saying what that is. Those are the primal needs. The, 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 the next two are what he, Tony would call the spiritual needs. Mm. And the spiritual needs are growth. The, the key to happiness in life, while happiness is also mindset, is not the destination, is not an achieving of a thing, it's progress. Mm. Human beings are, are wired for progress. Yeah. In life, we either are growing or we're dying. A plant is either growing or it's dying. In your business, in life, we're either moving forward or we're getting left behind, yeah. right? And so it's this understanding of, you know, I'm thinking of the African proverb, if you want to go fast, go alone. Yeah. If you want to go far, go together. Mm. And what you're building seemingly is at a stage of now we want to go far. Yeah. And far also has the frequency of growth. But when we prioritize our significance over the growth, it wants to retain control. 
But when you constantly choose to be a man and a leader that's prioritizing growth over his own significance, the frequency starts to shift. The behaviors, the decisions, the letting go starts to take place. And what you've told me is that you are stepping into a man who prioritizes growth. Yeah. And the sixth need, by the way, is contribution. Because the key to fulfillment is service. Our soul experiences peace when it's in its nature, and our soul's nature is to serve. Yeah. That's why it's a spiritual need, which is something very woven into the fabric of, of what you're creating in community and service, right? Definitely. And so what I'm hearing you say, in effect, is that you're choosing to prioritize growth. We have all these needs. It's not that you don't need significance. It's just now that your significance is coming from a different place than what it used to. Right. And there's a reprioritization of your driving force. Because we all have top two of these needs that we prioritize. And that dictates our driving force. It dictates the invisible model of the world that we live in. And what we focus on and what it means to us. And what we end up doing or not doing as a result of it. Right. Before you're focusing on, okay, perfection and control is my way of meeting my need for significance. So my decision subconsciously is to retain control, even though I, I, I know that I need to be delegating. I know that I need to trust, but I, I'm, I'm stuck in this old pattern, right. this old identity wrapped into that. And that's the, the awareness of that allows it to soften a little bit. Definitely. And the embodiment is, is okay, I'm prioritizing growth. What's the next step? What's the next choice that I need to make that's in alignment with growing, not just myself, not just my insignificance, but my team, my movement. And I'm just really curious, what's that step for you right now? Specifically. Hmm. So I've been working closely with Garrett. I don't know if you met Garrett, but teaching people how to fish. So I need to create the system where I can depend upon the people next to me. Because again, the perfectionist is, okay, I'm gonna delegate this task, then I'm gonna have to circle back, and make sure you're doing it right. Then I'm gonna have to check in, make sure that you don't have any questions. And it's like that lack of trust. So it's a, it's a setting myself up for success and setting the other person up for success by not delegating busily, but delegating efficiently. So that's, that's highest priority is the things that, like I was saying earlier, the things that I want to be doing rather than thinking of that as selfish is that aspect of service. I feel like if I'm delegating, I'm not being of service to that person because I'm putting more on their plate, but they're actually wanting growth. So it's so interesting how you, you're trying to be a perfectionist and a controller, but in turn, you're taking someone away from what they want to be doing, which is grow. And I'm halting collective growth. I need to set people up for success from the get-go and trust that they're more than capable, probably more capable than I am, mm. to do the task. Okay, so that's an interesting insight that I, I want to slow down and really sit with that statement for a second. If they're more capable than you, yeah. do you even have to create that system? So just opening the, the container for them to create, which is not only giving them growth, but it's giving them that foundation on stability as well. They're able to like build something themselves, which is empowering leaders. 
teachers teaching teachers how to teach. And that is a lot of what we talked about on the pod as well. Um, yeah, that's, that's incredible insight. And again, it's letting go of the control. I remember when I was working in corporate. Yeah. I would. I was the number two producer for a $2 billion company. And to say that I had a chip on my shoulder was an understatement. Yeah. I had thought of every single step-by-step process from start to finish in our delivery process. Yeah. And I operated in the belief that there was no better system other than that. And I, I did what you were saying that you should do, which is I have this system. Everybody needs to follow suit with it. Yeah. Challenge that ended up happening is I disempowered the team right. because they became codependent on me for answers to every single thing that would go wrong. Right. They, didn't, they weren't able to access their own genius and their own, their own creative potential to think critically and to solve because I gave them the answers to every single thing. That's a manager, not a leader. Right. And what I've come to realize as a coach is that I, my role is to see the genius in my clients that they don't see and not tell them what to do or what to think or how to, what, like my job in this moment is not to tell you, here's how you delegate and here's how you, my job is to help create insight right. that actually proves your genius can find something even greater than what I could even come up with. Yeah. And that leaves people feeling empowered. You know, we have the saying in coaching is that when you're a really good coach, people tell you how great you are. When you're a great coach, people walk away saying, I'm really great. Yeah. And I think that what you've just caught is this realization. And by the way, in order to grow, we have to fail. Yeah, totally. If we create a mechanism and a system that's designed with the, expect- the secret expectation to not disappoint, to not fail, and to quote unquote be perfect, we don't set them up for growth. No. We set them up to be robots. Yeah. And so it's on us to then sit with and have a healthy relationship to the restlessness of the risk of the learning opportunities, which have the face of failure. So fascinating because the body hears that and is just like, the mind hears that. No, I cannot fail. I cannot fail. Failure is not an option. It's right? so hilarious. Oh, but it's so true. It's so true. And it's so, um, it's so beautiful to see that like quick synapse connection of just like these epiphanies that come from throwing the ball into the court of another and allowing them to dribble and not telling them, hey, this is how you dribble. Allowing them to shoot and, oh, maybe my form can be a little this way. Like that micro management is actually, it just, it takes the, the joy out of the original goal in the first place, which is to create impactful community in which people feel inspired to do the things that they love. Let's talk about trust for a second. I want to talk about the old version of trust and then we can evolve, we can potentially 
see if we can evolve that into a 2.0 version of trust. Mm. When you were talking about, okay, I've got to create this system that guides people on what to do and when to do it and how to do it. And that gives me a sense of trust. Trust, by the way, is a function of two things, safety and reliability. Mm. Safety, that no harm will be done. In this yeah. case, no, 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 no professional harm, no financial harm, and certainly no physical, mental, emotional harm. Okay, that more comes up in relationships. Safety. Yeah. Second thing is reliability, or I should say security. And security is, comes from, can I rely on you? Yeah. Your system in your mind was where you felt trust because it has the frequency of control. If you're doing things the way that I know that they need to be done, I can trust you. Right. Uh, and really what you're actually in effect saying is it's not I can trust you, it's I trust my system. So that's the old version. When we understand that growth involves mistakes, I find as leaders, in the growth experience of who we're being as leaders, there's this sense of, what's my relationship with mistakes? And is it I'm trying to avoid mistakes? Or am I trying to embrace them? What does that bring up for you? Definite avoidance, fear of failure, um, which, you know, as you're saying, it's that from an energetic standpoint, then rubs off on people being in fear rather than in trust. So it's, yes, it's letting go of the need to be the one who needs to create the system or the need to delegate, but have it delegated the way that I want it to be done. And really entrusting that it's more so communication than it is delegation. Like it's, it's the open communication of the, the entirety of this movement and knowing that we have the team we've built in order to take this on together, which that opens up the brilliance of each individual within the collective. So yeah, it's, it's, it's the fear of failure is natural. And like we were talking about in the beginning, it's like being vulnerable and transparent with that fear rather than owning it as my own and not allowing others to take it on themselves. Because then it's like you share that, it's, it's half that it was with me. Then they share that, and then it's a quarter, and then we continue to share that, and then the, we look at the issue like, it's not even, it's okay. So-and-so was able to come with the solution very easily that I would have not been able to come with from my perspective and vantage point, which is just trust that the answers are within the community, which ties back into the original want and desire of the community in the first place. So. We've talked about letting go of significance. Yeah. And, and now the new, the, the other need that has, is very prevalent has just revealed itself. Your need for certainty. 
And yeah. the, the meeting of the need for certainty, or in other words, safety, yeah. is the system that renders it so mistakes don't happen. Now, again, that fear and that anxiety is a mask for desire. What is it that you want? What is it that you really want? When you look at how you're afraid of the mistakes that are being made, by the way, is it a fair expectation for mistakes never to be made? Is it a fair expectation for mistakes never to be made? Yeah. That is not fair. Right. <laughs> not fair. Right. Yeah. So just in the witnessing of that, when we try to avoid something inevitable, yeah. we experience suffering. Totally. So if we flip that and we say, okay, if this thing that we call mistake is unavoidable, that means I have to embrace it. So if I have to embrace mistakes, but there's still something that I desire, how can I embrace mistakes and still get to what I want? Hmm. Yeah, the goal is creating a safe space for spirit to be felt. And that, that was something that came over me years ago, the idea of a watering hole. You think in, in nature, the watering hole is a place where the lion and the zebra are drinking from the same fountain. And they're like, all right, we know when we get back out there, it's real. But when we're here, everybody knows we're here to drink all is well. I had this like idea of what community really is, and we all have our own faith and beliefs and, you know, jobs and status and all of these things. But when we come to a space where the intention is about just connecting and replenishing our soul, the water of life is, is so much about connecting with other human beings without any expectation or without any um, judgment as better than or less than. So the, the ultimate goal is to create community around what I believe spirit is, which is selfless service. And that's just by saying that, like all of the expectations and all of the things that I, I feel anxious about dissipate because mm -hmm. I'm doing that. It's just funny. The, the, mind and really it's the comparison of what success looks like in our world compared to what success feels like in the day in and day out interaction with human by human of just like the presence of each interaction so my yeah my ultimate goal lands on the opportunity to be ultimately present so that spirit can flow in each and every moment. No matter what we're doing, whether it's a workout, a dinner, TED Talk, doesn't matter. It's the, it's the aspect of real presence that I no longer, it's not about me. It's about something so much greater than me. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's this crushing of my ego mm -hmm. and letting go of Kyle Cassidy created this and that, that doesn't matter at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And for the ego to hear that, it's like, no, 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 no. The heart is like, of course, that's why you have a download in the first place. That's why you are a vessel for this to take place so that others feel inspired to embody that. It, it, it's not about scale. I think I get caught up in scale as well. The more I want to impact more people. Um, whereas focusing less on numbers and again, less on busy and more on quality, more on, on impact. Um, that's what comes forward. Mm -hmm. So take that, that essence, that ethos of, of, and I want you to consciously really, I want to, I want to hone it in for you. I want to hone it in for you on the, on the specific team of people. You've got a team. Yep. There's the community at large, and then there's your immediate team yep. that's going to help you build this enterprise. Yeah. Now, the healthy reframe to perfection, and this is coming from a recovering perfectionist, is not to all of a sudden lower our standards. It's to shift to having high standards with the embrace of mistakes. Right. And how you and your team connected to the ethos of the role of being connected with spirit. My, 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 my coach calls this being in business partnership with the divine. And in this moment, I don't, as I'm hearing you channel the divine, I, I see the God in you that, and the spirit and the divine in you that wants to step into this new way of being and this new form of leadership. Okay. I feel that. Yeah. And then there's this reconciliation that takes place of, okay, in reality, we've got a mission here and there are high standards and there are, th and those standards are important to you. Yeah. And I, I want you to maintain those standards. Definitely. Don't soften those. Right. Have the high standard, let go of the perfection. But then when it comes to trust before you trusted your systems, now you're being called to trust the spirit of the people. What's going to give you trust in the spirit of the people when mistakes happen? The thing that comes forward is celebration. Like grace. Again, knowing that the mistakes are bound to happen. And the mistakes have to happen for us to find the solution. So it's, it's celebrating like we're doing it rather than focusing on what needs to still be done. It's like that unquenchable thirst that I think the world gives all of us. And spirit is constantly letting us know you're at the watering hole. Like you are drinking from the fountain. Enjoy it. Celebrate it embody the mistake ties back to the original concept from pope francis it's like bring all of that to the table all your fear all your inadequacy all of the, the control and like lay it onto the table which in turn is inspiring the tight-knit group that we have to do that as well somebody might have a similar or a very different that opens my eyes to like oh wow my fear is actually very small in comparison or my fear is very big in comparison, but it's like they're all the same if we're allowing ourselves to share them to find the solutions collectively.
What you just said is ridiculously significant. Yeah. Because what you've just said is that now instead of avoiding mistakes, you're going after them. Yeah. And when you go and when you hit a mistake, you celebrate them as a team because you now understand. You did it. (laughs) What? what, what, By the way, if you're if you're reaching toward a goal and you're putting in effort and you're making mistakes, what does that mean? You're doing it. You're you're ascending. Yeah. You're doing the fucking work. Yeah. You're putting in the effort. You if you were to create. As in, in this moment, you are discovering a main pillar in the culture of the company that you're starting. And it's that we have a celebration relationship with failure. Right. And, if, and, and the way that you embody that and integrate that is that once a week or once a month or twice a month, you have a meeting that is specifically designed to celebrate failure yeah. and mistakes. And, and, and the irony is that if you haven't failed or haven't made a mistake, that's a problem. That's, that's true failure. Yeah. That's a problem. For sure. That means you're not, you're not at your edge. You're not, not taking you're, risks. You're not taking risk. Yeah. You're not embracing risk, which means if you're not embracing risk, you're not stepping up and you're not growing. We're here to grow. And we know that failure is a quintessential variable in the equation of growth. Mm. And we celebrate that together. Most people in the corporate workplace are doing a second job that no one's paying them for. And that is managing the perception of who they perceive to be important. And they do that by masking failure. And as a result of masking failure, they do not voice their opinion. They do not access their spirit and their creative potential. They're hiding. Yeah. What you've just come to an insight around is you're going to create a culture where you create safety around failure. And when people feel safe to fail around you, they'll feel safe to go out and ride the bike and fall and get back up again. They'll feel safe to try to climb the mountain and tumble down and get back up and do it again. But if they're so worried about what you think about them, they'll never take risk and they'll stay in their comfort zone. And the comfort zone is the enemy of growth. Mm. So powerful. It's so free. Like it's so, it's so uh, awesome to you know, take that eagle eye perspective and look down at like, wow, by holding on to the reins so tight, like we spoke of, hold on to the wheel so tight. It's like, like, oh. You're giving so many others the opportunity to like guide. And as a leader, it says it all over scripture, true leaders lead from the back. Just like being able to observe when you need to step forward, you step forward, and it's just trusting, that trust. Beautiful, uh, beautiful connections made. It's beautiful to see the symphony of the mind. I see a lot of colors happening right now. Mm -hmm. Beautiful symphony Mm -hmm. of realizations and releases of the old control system that got me to the success that I'm in to then wanting to grow. I want to, I want to expand. I want to be able to help more people. I want to also empower other leaders to teach teachers how to teach. That's a beautiful, beautiful point to be at this year turning 30. It's like coming to these realizations of what my manhood looks like and what this fourth decade is all about. It's, it's really about that growth to be able to impact others of course but impact 
the internal desire of what this foundation is all about. Woo! Mm. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Makes the heart feel good, man. Mm. And then when the heart feels good, the mind is like the wind. I just see a symphony of colors right now. Mm. There's no chatter. It's a beautiful feeling. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the texture of, of insight. Of insight connected to truth, connected to spirit, connected to the innate intelligence inside of you that knows the way forward. Yeah. The last thing I'll say about trust is that trust is not that you will not make a mistake. Trust in relationships is not, I trust that you won't hurt me. It's I trust that when we experience mistake, failure, rupture, and hurt, or conflict, I trust that you and I can come together to figure it out. Your job as a leader is to surround yourself with people that you believe in, can face conflict, hardship, mistake, and their own failure with you. Not you against them, with you. And that you can rely on them to also point out your flaws and weaknesses and areas of your improvement and create an exchange relationship that we are in this together, that we will celebrate our failures together, that we will support each other in each other's growth. We will point out each other's blind spots. That's trust. Yeah. And it's so epic because this is so much of the last, you know, few weeks within the, the team of myself, Michael, Stephen, Garrett, and Clarissa, my, my girlfriend. And she's, bless her soul, in the space with, with four men. She's holding it down as the mama bear of the house. But we have weekly meetings. Shout out, Clarissa. Shout out, Clarissa. I love, <laughs> I love you, baby. Um, and the whole squad. Healthy boys. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, so, it's so important to be able to, like you just said, invite that from the people closest to you. I don't need you to tell me all the things I'm doing well. Actually, that is a, that is a hindrance towards our progress. And the ego is, is always trying to avoid those types of, of conflicts, but they're not conflicts. It's actually, that's true love. That is people saying, I really care about you and I care about us. And we've had some really, really breakthrough epiphanies of, because we, we take on a lot with what we're doing, but it's exchanging that have to to get to, tasks to impact. Garrett does a great job of continuously reminding me of the spiritual entity that we all possess and allowing that to flow and guide us. Taking, taking a, I'm going to sit in the back seat. I know and I trust that I'm being guided towards what is next. So beautiful. And so, ah, just like that freedom that comes from that trust is so, uh, it's just easy. It's soul liberation. Yeah. I always tell my clients that insight is really powerful. It connects you to spirit, connects you to truth. It's calming. It brings ease. It brings peace. And insight alone means it's insight plus action that equals transformation. Right. And so the invitation that I would have for you is as an integration step is to go home. And before you meet with Mike and the rest of the team, Be with yourself and unpack this notion of what celebration of mistakes and failure looks like. No, means, means to you. 
and what it means for your company. Because what you're creating is through experience is a principle. A principle is rooted in a value that for an organization, when, when people need structure and clarity in order to have direction, and there is an importance of that to a certain extent, that it allows their genius to come through. Mm. Solidifying your awareness around the meaning of what having a celebration culture around failure looks like for you and for your team matters a great deal in this moment. Yeah. Just to solidify the meaning, the connection, the embodiment, the integration, and what the steps are, whether it's a meeting, whatever it is, yeah. that, that, that actually integrates this belief is what solidifies it. It's what right. calcifies it, yeah. right? We, we've, to, what I love about coaching, it has this texture of exploration. We're exploring what's going on inside of Kyle. We don't know what we're gonna find. And we might not find anything at all, but in this moment, we discovered something. Right. Exploration and discovery are different. We never know when we're going to discover something, but when we do, it's our job to nourish it, right? Right, And, and you've discovered something within yourself, a truth that, ah, to be the man of prioritizing growth, embracing failure, celebrating failure, learning from that failure, and working together with a team of people that I believe in will meet me in the field of hardship and grow together through that. Mm. Solidifying that in your own ethos, in your own language, is my invitation for you for integration. I love that. Because and it's, that's, it's exciting. Because that is my heart has been yearning for that. And my mind is so afraid of celebrating failure. But after this conversation, I, I only feel I'm not thinking. And I have so many ideas of ways that we can make it fun to bring that stuff forward. And I always, you know, take time to reflect in the evening on my day I, I i'm looking forward to the reflection and i for those of you out there like reflection in the evening of what your day was what you can release that you can sleep soundly and move into your next day it's like it's such a powerful practice uh, i do have a question what was the third of mr uh pope francis you're gonna like this one <laughs> i know you were saving it yeah, it, it's a good one to close the loop on everything. The third is the wonder of worship as a process to how we connect with the Lord or in, our, in my community, spirit, source. Hallelujah. Which so, ties into celebration, man. I love the word wonder. It's, it's the root of the word wonderment, awe and wonderment. Wonderment has the texture of curiosity to it in the face of something marvel, in the face of something magnificent. When you can sit in the wonderment of your team, wondering what will their genius create? Mm. I look at you in this moment and the old me would have wanted to dig into the, here's how you delegate and here's how you create the systems. And, and I, I would want to fix it for you. But what I love doing is I love taking a step back and in wonderment of seeing the God in you come forth and be aware now of your truth in this moment of who you're becoming. I get to sit in the wonderment of what you will create next. Amen. When you look at your team, look at them with wonderment as what will you create next? Because I'm, I'm curious of how it's going to be even better than the thing that I imagined. Amen, brother. That's so powerful. What a gifted, gifted leader and coach you are. Oh. Thank you for the symphony of colors that you just expressed through your 
questions. It was very, very beautiful and uh, so grateful for the man you are, the friend you are. I've known you for less than a year, and I think it's incredible to, uh, to just feel all that, that God is, is working through you and the impact that you're creating with this podcast and the people that you're going to touch and inspire and uplift. And uh, I'm one of them. So God bless this, this space, mm-hmm. your journey, and, and what it is you're doing. And I'm so excited to collaborate and, and create more of heaven on earth, man. We're doing it. Mm-hmm. We're drinking at the watering hole. I appreciate that reverence and reflection, man. Thank you for being here. Of course. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of the Think Out Loud podcast. If you liked it, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review it, and potentially share it with a friend. And if you're looking to get in touch with me, you can find me on Instagram at shapeshift underscore coach, or just search my name. And you can also find me on my website at www.shapeshiftcoach.com. Look forward to seeing you here again soon.